It'd be nice if I could talk. What a thought. I have an accent too. Um, Dr. Alan Martin is from the Memorial Church of Christ in Houston, Texas. Uh, he is the marriage and family life minister there. Before there, he was a professor and dean of the College of Biblical Studies at Oklahoma Christian University. Uh, and yes, he does have an accent because he comes from Cape Town, South Africa. And uh, he is married to Linda, who is with him tonight. We got to eat supper with her, so I hope you meet Linda tonight. Raise your hand, Linda, so everybody knows where you are. So that's very good. Uh, wife of 38 years and three children, and uh, who are all gainfully employed. So being a dad, I know that's a great thing. Let me tell you, it's all good. We look forward to hearing Dr. Martin speak about sacrifice in the city about Abraham. Please, Dr. Martin. Yeah. That, that was a joke. That was a funny joke. That was a, that was a good one, Doug. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. Good, good to be back with you. Uh, I, I just tried to check with my wife when uh, was the last time we were here, and I, I think it was something like five years ago. Uh, some of you probably can still remember us. Uh, but some of you won't. You may be new to the congregation. So, uh, yeah, I have a little bit of accent, but I always say this wherever I speak. I'm not the one with the accent. You all have the accent. <laughs> but I'm privileged, and I feel it's a great honor to be here and to share this particular message with you. I believe this is part of your church's missional theme. That is the word sacrifice somewhere in your mission statement that word appears. And so they, the elders, I guess, and the leadership and the ministers here wanted to uh, reinforce what your mission as a church is in the city of San Antonio. And a great part of that mission is sacrifice. I love the text, Doug. Whoever chose the text uh, did a, a fantastic job in making that choice. I love the text out of Genesis chapter 22. That is the story it's known as, scholars know, uh, would, would term this the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, which involves a tremendous sacrifice by his father Isaac. But let me begin by saying, and giving you a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who made a speech in 1934 at Fano, Denmark. And as one who resisted a great man, Supposed great man, Hitler, who persecuted Jews, in fact, killed Jews, millions of Jews, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a man who understood what it meant to love humanity. He wrote the book, Cost of Discipleship, in which he, as a German person, stood up against the Fuhrer, the greatest, supposed greatest man in the German minds at the time. And he suffered greatly, sacrificed his own life, and was killed in 1945, hanged really for resisting Hitler at Flossenburg. But this is one of the statements he made, and really made me think, when it comes to sacrifice and putting your life where your mouth is, this is what it takes. He said, there is no peace 
along the way of safety. For peace must be dead. It is itself the great venture and can never be safe. Peace is the opposite of security. To demand guarantees is to mistrust, and this mistrust in turn brings forth war. To look for guarantees is to want to protect oneself. Peace means giving oneself completely to God's commandment, wanting no security, but in faith and obedience, laying down the destiny of the nations in the hand of the Almighty God, not trying to direct it for selfish purposes. And here is a profound statement by, by Dietrich. He says, battles are won, not with weapons, but with God. Battles are won when the way leads to the cross. Which means, in essence, battles are won when there's sacrifice. And Dietrich calls on the German people not to stay comfortable by staying on the sidelines and not resisting Hitler. He's basically saying, do what I'm doing. Resist for the sake of humanity. Become a conduit of blessing by sacrificing yourself and your life for humanity. And the church at MacArthur Park is called upon by God to do the same. And so the story we have in Genesis 22, I believe, is most probably the second most intense kind in all of history. The story has all the markings or the makings of, when you read the story, man, that is so wrong. How could God expect that of a man? Having waited so long for a son, now to say, get up and go to a place that I will show you and offer your son as a burnt offering or a sacrifice unto me. This is so wrong. It sounds so wrong. Even to the Gentile world at the time, it sounded so wrong to the Hebraic nation. So wrong. So unreasonable. So intense. And so confusing. But it so fulfills all of the elements of the gospel, of good news. Because good news is never free. There's always sacrifice. And so Abram is asked to do that. Why is he asked to do that? Why, God, would you ask a human being to voluntarily offer his child? Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. He says to the nation of Israel, as God led them through the wilderness, second reading of the law in Deuteronomy, the Bible says, and Moses says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he, listen to this, this is why God tested them in the wilderness. He gave them all of the blessings of manna and quail and so on, and, and their feet never suffered because he gave them sandals to wear throughout. He says, nor did your fathers know that he did this because he wanted to make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes 
from the mouth of the Lord. God will ask us sometimes to go through stuff to make us know. God will ask us sometimes to go through things, trials and difficulties and hard times and even tremendous blessings and asking us to give it up in order to make us know that you need not to only trust the bread, but trust the God who gave you the bread. God wants to make us know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The city of San Antonio, and we still, some of us who came here earlier to the United States, I came here the first time in 1982, uh, heard about this Alamo City, and I always wondered about it, read some of the history of the city, and this Alamo City of San Antonio is built on a platform of sacrifices. And some of you know the history of, 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 of San Antonio. Many brave souls died to preserve the city and its people. And you have the Alamo at the center of the city, beloved, that bespeaks sacrifice. And God, in his wisdom, planted this church right here in the heart of San Antonio. And I am praying and I'm hoping and I'm hoping to inspire us to understand and know and help God to help us see and know that our hearts and our desires, every one of us, and collectively as a church, must be to sacrifice for the good of others. So that people can flow into this church and become part of the blessing of this church, knowing Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen? Amen. That's what it's all about. And so you, you asked me to come out and speak about this. So what I want to do is before I even start reading the text, there are 19 verses we want to go into, is help us understand one important factor. When it comes to the patriarchs of old, that is in the Old Testament, when it comes to the patriarch, they understood something about the concept of blessings that drove their ambitions that drove their lives, and that let them open to sacrifice. And unless you and I have a grasp and an understanding of the concept of blessings, you and I will never really be totally, fully motivated to move towards sacrifice. The reason this man, Abraham, without any question, when God said, take your son, go forth, take your son, not just your son, but this, the one you love, your only son, Isaac, he had another son, he had another son, his mother, God says, no, you're the, the one you love, Isaac, you take that son and go and sacrifice him. The reason he didn't have a question in his mind is because Abram understood the concept of blessings. When you are given something by God as a blessing, in this case a son whom he waited for for 25 years, when you are overwhelmed and showered by God with blessings, it helps to understand why that blessing was given to you. 
be it in the form of children, be it in the form of resources, be it in the form of money, be it in the form of an ability or a talent or a ministry, or whatever you have within your system, within your possession, if you understand what that's all about, then sacrifice comes easy. The patriarchs understood the concept of blessing. And I want to run through very quickly, and I gave you all the notes. That's why I did it, Doug. I wanted people to take this home and reread it and restudy it and memorize it so that it could be in our hearts for the purpose of sacrifice. Let's go through it. Abram understood this concept of blessing and the responsibility attached to it. Number one... He understood that the blessing is entrusted to you for the greater good of others. Whatever blessings you have, man, I love good. Well, I have so much. I've been so blessed. It's not just for you to talk about the fact that you were blessed so that you look good, but your blessings are given to you for the good of others. You can tell I'm getting excited about this game. <laughs> it is given to me for the greater good of others. You trust the blessing giver with your blessing more than you trust yourself. And then number two, the blessing's end goal is not you. Can I say that again? The blessing's end goal is not you. You are the blessing's conduit. The blessing is supposed to flow through you toward other people. That's number two. You know, people who believe or think that they are the end goal of the blessing or the sole focus of the blessing, those people become blessing preservers or hoarders, or keepers, or blessing protectors. It's just me and my family, and that's where the blessing need to reside. That's whom I will give the blessing to. I want you and I to know, as well as myself, that I am simply a vessel, a conduit. The blessing flows through me to others. I'm not supposed to hoard it. Abram understood that. Number three, the willingness to sacrifice means you love the blessing giver more than the blessing itself. If you and I are willing to sacrifice the blessing, Abram was willing to sacrifice that. So that means that you love God more than the blessing itself. Number four, let me reinforce that one. God's call to sacrifice may sometimes seem like a recall of the blessing. He gave me a son, and now he's asking me to give it up. He gave me all of this riches. He gave me all of this talent. Now he's asking me to share it and give it away. Yes, exactly. Sometimes it seems like the blessing is being recalled by God. That's exactly why God gave you the blessing, so that you could give it away. And bless lives. And turn eyes toward the one who gave you the blessing. And number five, God at times designs the blessing 
to become our greatest test. Our test of trust. Who do you trust in more? Who do you love more? If you are asked to give up the blessing, would you be satisfied just with me? Abram, if you gave up Isaac, if you give up your son, am I enough for you? Whatever your blessing, whatever your talent, whatever your resource, whatever God has blessed you with, if you, if you give that up, if you give that away, is God enough for you? Number six, Abram understood that blessings are designed to draw humans into the fullness of God's shalom. That is to draw you, the blessing is not designed so that you can just live a comfortable life or be comfortable or be acknowledged or be honored by people or be praised by people. That The blessing is designed to draw you into the fullness of God's peace, harmony with God, gratitude towards God, and writing life in the world versus the fullness of self-absorption. For you see, the gift number seven is a call into an unfolding and uncertain venture. It's a pilgrimage. When you carry that gift, when you have that gift, when you carry that blessing and you have that blessing as Abram had, you must remember that I'm on a journey. This is a pilgrimage. And on this journey and pilgrimage, I am to sacrifice whatever is within my possession. Number eight. Sacrificing is giving honor to your blessing and the blessing giver. When you sacrifice, you know, some of us talk about sacrificing and, and really what we're saying in essence, or what we're trying to say in essence, is I'm doing something. Sacrificing means I go way beyond what I'm just asked to do. Way beyond. Some of us say, church asked me to sacrifice. My question to you is, are you really sacrificing? Are you going way beyond what you were asked to do? Number nine, that blessing comes with all a call to abandon and sacrifice and to enter into relationship of trust. Tough thing. Abandon, relinquish, sacrifice. And God says, walk with me by faith. Trust me. You give it up, then watch me. You go beyond, then watch me. You stretch yourself, then watch me. That blessing, that blessing are attached to greater promises. Always the case. For the blessed who would be good stewards of the blessing. And let me say finally, number 11, that you cannot hoard God's blessings because God's blessings have functional realities. It must work His plan for humanity. Amen, church? Now, Abram understood all of that stuff. Don't you suppose... That if you understood and knew all of that, that sacrifice would come easier. 
because your faith would be emboldened, your trust in the Almighty God who gave you all of the blessings would be emboldened, and you would be ready as Abram when God says, go and do or go and give, you will readily stand out to go and do and go and give. Now, what's the value of all of this, and what is the value of the Akadah? In Genesis chapter 22. First two verses. Oh, you have your Bibles open. You can read with me or you can follow it on the screen. Sometime later, God tested Abram. He said, Abram, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about the most severe test of Abram's faith starts out with go forth. First time we hear language like that is in Genesis chapter 12, where Abram is asked to leave country and leave family and just go to a place that God will show him. First time. Severe test. This is about the seventh time God appears to Abraham. It seems like every time God appears, and he appears six, six other, or rather, yeah, six other times before this, every time God appears to Abraham, there is a challenge to his faith with a promise attached, and Abraham latches onto the promises, and he trusts God, and he walks with God, and he's at the point now, pinnacle of his faith life, where God says, now, Abraham, I want you to take this one. I want you to take this one. Give up your son. Give up your son. Now, raise your hand in here if you were asked at any time during your Christian journey for you to give up your son or daughter. Not a one in here. I know of two. Abraham. And then the father himself. Listen, that's tough. But being asked to give up and sacrifice your son, beloved, is a divine test of attachment. How attached am I to this place? Genesis 12. How attached am I to the son? Genesis 22. Take your son and go and sacrifice him. Walter Brueggemann said this about God's first visit to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. God's challenge in the first visit is a call to abandonment, renunciation, and relinquishment. It is a call for a dangerous departure from the presumed world of norms and security. God will always test how attached you are to the blessing He has given you. Are you willing to take it and sacrifice it? Are you willing to give it away? Are you willing to relinquish? Are you willing to abandon the blessing God has laid within your lap, placed within your hands? Or are you going to be so attached to it, so stuck on it, so preserve it, that God cannot work through you? I say divine testing will either help us with release or check the strength of our grip on self-preservation and selfishness. Will you let it go? And I say with the letting go, there's always promises and a blessing attached.
but a chokehold on the blessing. Watch out. I know that Abram wasn't stuck on himself and stuck on his blessing. Because later on in verse 12, God says, Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. God says, Abram, watch out. I'll even swear by myself that I'm going to bless you so much that you won't be able, in my own words here, to stand it. Now the test, beloved, this divine test may at, at times seem unreasonable. Why would God recall the blessing in this way? Human sacrifice was frowned upon even by the Gentiles. There's even some Levitical laws against it. Why would God ask a man to travel three days to go and offer the son? Mount Moriah, where was that? As a burnt offering? My goodness, God, can't you come up with something better? Why not just an easier sacrifice somewhere in my backyard? Why three days? It's a test. God, why do I have to feed people under the bridge? Why can't we just go in a nice community where people are friendly and nice and good smelling and good looking? Why do we have to go among the poorest of the poor in our city and sacrifice our blessings for them? These people need to get up and get a job. Why are you testing us this way? So I want to know what's in your heart. Deuteronomy 8.3. I want to know what's in your heart. I want to know how attached you are to that blessing that I've given you. I want to know whether you'll truly be a conduit for me in the city of San Antonio. What's in your heart? Do you only do good to those who look like you, smell like you? Love like you, or will you do good to all men? What's in your heart? That's a divine test. There are three sections to this chapter. I basically broke it up into three. One is the, the divine test. But then the second part is the human relinquishment or abandonment. How willing are you to do that? And then finally we get to the last part where it's divine providence or divine provision. Man, we, you, I test you. You come through with the test. Your faith is emboldened. You, you, you stand up. You do what I ask you to do. And then watch out. I'll open the floodgates of heaven for you. I bless you. So let's look at the human sacrifice and relinquishment. Verses 3 through 10. So Abram, the test, no questions, he just does. Early the next morning, Abram got up, saddled his donkey, took within two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. On the third day, Abram looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abram took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he, offered, and, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father Abram, Father, yes, my son, Abram replied, the fire, the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abram answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. 
And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abram built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Wasn't going to withhold in the Hebrew chasak. Wasn't going to hoard that son. Wasn't going to prevent something from happening to that son. He wasn't going to hang on to or clutch onto that son tightly. He was not prepared to hoard the seed. But he was prepared to totally sacrifice him. Because he understood something about this thing called blessing. And I say to the church that sacrificing the blessing is the gateway to the flow of even much, much greater blessings towards others. You see, human sacrifice and a request to relinquish what we love is about probing our deepest fears and our deepest insecurities. How much do you fear to lose what God has given you? And how much insecurity dwells within you if you have to give it up? Relinquishing, beloved, is letting go of an anxiety about what I might lose. It is detaching from that which might interfere with my utmost love for the giver of my blessings. And Abram, because he understood the concept of blessing, knew how to let go of anxiety and attachment by physically, emotionally, and psychologically detaching from his son. So here's the question. How attached are you to what God has given you and placed within your lap? and within your arsenal. One thing to note about Abraham in the text, and throughout the book of Genesis, really leading up to chapter 22, is that wherever Abraham traversed the land, he built altars. Said something about the man. Why does one build an altar? Because you want to make a sacrifice. You want to offer something. And in this case, Every single time he built an altar, yes, for memory's sake, but he built an altar to make a sacrifice unto his God, whom he believed was always with him and will always bless him because he has sacrifice as part of his being. He consistently sacrificed. Sacrifice was embedded in his life and sacrifice was embedded in his heart. I say to the San Antonio, the uh, MacArthur Church, beloved, sacrifice and relinquishment must become this church's identity. When people point to that church over there, looking from 410, and they see the name, they must say, that is a church that knows sacrifice. I went there, I received. I went there, I was blessed. Those folks over there know and understand sacrifice. 
I love the last part of this chapter. Not only does God test us, not only does He ask us to relinquish, but He also comes around and provides a blessing. Look at it, verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called out to him, stopping him from killing his son. And God calls Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know. See, there it is. Now I know. Really, what's in your heart? That you fear God. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And so Abram looked up, and listen, here it comes. He looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abram called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abram from heaven a second time and said, I swear, God says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, listen, listen to the language of God. I will bless you. I will bless you. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore, your descendants will take possession of the cities of the enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Abram then went back to be a Sheba with his servants. Folks, the heavens call when you pass the test. Doug, Doug. Martha, Martha. James, James. Sarah, Sarah. June, June. Why double? Why Abraham, Abraham? God wanted to confirm. You will be. Not Abram, but Abraham, the father of many. Because you obeyed me. I will bless you, Abraham. I will give you many descendants like the stars in the sky. And your descendants are going to be blessed. They will possess the city gates of their enemies because you have feared me and you have sacrificed and you have obeyed me. Listen, folks, I say, and Abram responded when God said, Abram, Abram, he said, here I am. And I make this statement on the slide. It's okay to be ready for the blessing, but we must first be ready for the sacrifice. Here I am, God. I'm ready. What is it that you want to say? God said, I want to bless you. But you see, before that, if you go back to verse 1, he also said, Here am I. He was ready for the sacrifice, for the test, to go through the test, and then to sacrifice. And now he says again, Here am I. Now he's ready for the blessing. Some of us want to be ready for the blessing, but not ready for the sacrifice. And then he looked up to God's provision of the ram. And I say it's okay to look up to God's provision of the ram, but we must first look up to the challenge of the sacrifice and take that three days journey. It doesn't make any sense, but God says do it. 
And we go ahead and do it anyway, because God said so. And I say, as we close out tonight, that the ram did not appear until Abraham was totally ready to sacrifice the son he loved. It must be in my heart to give up, to abandon, to relinquish, to do my utmost, to go far beyond what I'm asked to do before God will provide the ramp. It must be in my heart. Abram's major focus was not just to find the ram. Some Christians find, sometimes find the ram too soon because we don't want to sacrifice. If the city of San Antonio, Doug, and elders of this church is going to be blessed in the future, and you're going to possess the gates of Satan in the city, it's going to be because this church understands their blessings and how to sacrifice. And they, they know and desire to sacrifice. The city of San Antonio needs believers who know God in the manner of Abraham. The city of San Antonio and the church here need faith walkers, sacrificial doers, and totally obedient believers. Listen to this final quote from Rabbi Michael Goulston. And this is my challenge to the church here. Ours, he said, is not a crisis of belief, but a crisis of action. A loss, not of faith, but a loss of nerve. And so the final question to the church here is, are we willing to sacrifice? Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Excellent way to begin the summer, don't you think? Amen. Um, of course, you know, starting from such a, a um, 